Hey, Next on the T-Nation, thanks for tuning in to this very special segment of the show featuring one of my all-time favorite people on the planet, let alone guests on the show, and that is Matthew Lawrence. We talk about everything that's going on in the world of golf right now. We're talking Tiger, we're talking Jason Day's pants, we're talking Keith Pelley leaving, we're talking Martin Slumbers leaving the RNA. Where is the PGA Tour going? Where is golf going? Do we care? about what's happening on the PGA Tour, because it doesn't really affect all of us. It's just the tour players and the product that we're watching on TV every week. So anyway, sit back, relax, enjoy this segment. And as always, I appreciate you all so very much. All right, now back with me is one of my all-time favorite actors, radio hosts, and people on the planet for that matter, and that is Matthew Lawrence. I closed out last season with Mitch Lawrence, so of course the best way to start a new season is by having Matthew Lawrence join me. You guys hear me talking about Matthew's show, Backspin Golf, all the time because, A, it's fantastic, and, B, it's one of the best ways you can start your Sunday mornings. You can stream the show by going online to WLXG.com. He also has a daily show that you can tune into from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time called The Matthew and Jimmy Show. In 2020, Matthew was recognized by the Kentucky section of the PGA of America as their media representative of the year for his great contributions to the game. And among Matthew's other work on the big screen is his stellar performance as bass player Salamato, one of my all-time favorite movies, Eddie and the Cruisers. You've probably seen Matthew as well on Saturday Night Live, Beverly Hills 90210, One Tree Hill, or 30-something, among the many other things that he has been in in movies and in TV. He's also been a sideline reporter and the pre- and post-game host for Duke Basketball and now over in Kentucky for Kentucky Basketball, and they don't come bigger or better than Matthew Lawrence. Happy New Year, Matthew. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, I'm exhausted just listening to that. I'm, <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you, Chris. And as always, it is my great pleasure and honor to be with you again. And I'm, I'm glad that we're speaking now because I have some breaking news. I have an announcement to make. Oh, and I'm I'm glad that it'll be on next on the T, the best golf podcast in the history of Earth. Uh, here is the breaking news. Uh, we've the last couple days have been a whirlwind of the biggest names in football, both college and pro, retiring or leaving for somewhere else. I am announcing my retirement from professional golf. What? On your show. Yes. Yeah. Um, Say it isn't so. Well, I, you know, I, uh, I just, I've been doing it for so long, Chris. It's hard. It's hard to trying to get into tournaments and, you know, it's not easy to get into a professional tournament when you're a 14 handicap. It's just, <laughs> it's not that easy. So. I've decided that I'm going to pursue other options. <laughs> uh, and I, I just wanted this to be the place where I broke that. So well, thank I, you. I appreciate you doing it on this show. And look, yeah. as Andrew Strother said on, on this show a couple of weeks ago, I mean, you've yeah. got the, the sweetest practice swing in the history of the game. I can't well, imagine we're not going to get to see that anymore. Well, I can. Have Andrew take a video of it and show, send it to you. Here's, <laughs> here's the thing about that. And Andrew Strother is just, he's so great. Um, 
And for those of you that might have missed, although I can't believe this, uh, that episode of Next on the Tee with Andrew, Andrew is an incredible golfer, uh, has played on various different uh, tours all over the place. And he is now with TrackMan. He's the area representative for TrackMan. He's a fantastic guy. And I did not know him. And we were invited to play in the, I'm pretty sure it was the Barbasol Championship here in Lexington, the media day. They had a scramble tournament. And I was on a team with Andrew. And as I said, I didn't really know him. I was told how, what a great golfer he was and a great guy and all this. And I show up on the first tee. And as, I mean, you know me well enough now, Chris, to know how I'm very kind of subdued when I meet new people. You know, uh, it takes me a while before I kind of warm up to people. Uh, I don't like to go after them, for example. And on the first tee, it started on the first tee between the two of us <laughs> and it lasted the whole day. But here's the thing. It's one thing when people say what a great golfer this guy is. And, but we were playing in this scramble. And, uh, it, on the great golf course, the Keen Trace, where they played the Barbasol Championship. And we get up on the first tee and I'm hitting, you know, when I'm absolutely destroying the ball, it goes 220. Now, I mean, I never hit it far, even when I was a five handicap, but now I'm 96 years old and, <laughs> you know, it takes a little for me to get it out there anyway. So, and the scramble, we were using the best drive. We had, I guess, five people on the team, maybe four. I don't remember. Anyway, Andrew gets up and uh, hits it about 340 right down the middle. And I'm not exaggerating. Uh, I think we were on a par five. We started and he hit it over the trees. And, you know, like you see on a Sunday on the PGA Tour. And I just kind of looked at him and that gave me even more reason to give him crap because (laughs) that's how I am. And so then I get up to hit and I take my two practice swings and I'm joking around because I don't want to be embarrassed. And uh, he didn't say anything. And I hit a pretty good drive and we take off. Well, by about the fourth hole, and I really didn't hit a shot at all the first actually about the first nine holes but (laughs) we're on the tee on about the fourth hole he turns to me and he says you know that may be the most perfect practice swing i've ever seen and and the thing is it's true i have i you if you just saw my practice swing you think this guy's a pro he's a pro and then I get up and I hit the ball and I'm not <laughs> clearly. <laughs> well, it lasted. The, he gave me crap about my practice swing the entire day. And, uh, he was right. He was right. Somehow I can't, I can't translate it to actually hitting the ball. And I've tried everything. Believe me. Um, <laughs> but I do have a great practice swing and Andrew is just, he's great. He's a <laughs> wonderful guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So please send the video because now everyone's going to want to see it. So you got to <laughs> yeah. get someone to videotape that practice when we're going to post that somewhere. Well, I will accept it's going to be uh, like Kansas City on Sunday. It's supposed to be about, I don't know, two below here for the next few days. Yeah, we got we have good stuff coming. So maybe it might be like maybe the right before the Masters. I'll send you uh, a video. <laughs> That's good. We can tease that out. People look forward to it. Yeah. We got, you know, okay. Anticipation is everything. Okay. Hey, <laughs> it's almost time for the practice swing. All right. I like that. Good. So <laughs> you mentioned keen trees. One of the things I, I want our listeners to learn about, Matthew, is you've got so many great golf courses in and around you there in Lexington, Kentucky, really all across the state. Talk yeah. about how great golf is where you're at. You know, um, when I got here, I've been coming here for 35 years. I originally, my first trip was, I was invited to play, this was during my acting career, in the children's charity golf tournament that was no longer being played. But for 35 years, it it was the best tournament we had in terms of giving back to the community. Every year, the amount of money raised for different charities here was astounding. And it was a big family. The same people would come back every year with a couple new people. And it was fantastic. And I knew, but I was either living in New York or in L.A. And I would come for three days or maybe four days and play the golf courses we were playing the tournament at. And it wasn't until I moved here, which is hard to believe, 14 years ago now, um, that I really got to play all over. And starting with the five public golf courses here in Lexington, and I am incredibly blessed that those five courses are part of Lexington Parks and Rec, and they are and have been since I started a sponsor of Backspin Golf. And the just the best people, uh, Curtis and Justin and all these amazing people. And so I get to play all of these public golf courses and they're amazing. And they're all very different. There are four great courses and a nine-hole course, which is part of our rota here, uh, as I like to call it. Um, one of the courses, Kearney Hill, uh, golf links is as good a practice, uh, public course as you can play. I don't care where you play. It's a Pete Dye golf course. They have amazing championships there. As a matter of fact, the senior tour used to play at that golf course every year. Uh, and now they have all kinds of USGA, the boys championship, the girls championship, junior championships. It's an amazing golf course. And then we have all around the state, um, the public golf courses in the state of Kentucky are phenomenal. And of course, we have great private clubs here too, but um, I like to concentrate on the public courses here and all over, really. We have amazing golf in the state of Kentucky in terms of the growth of the game and how many people play and how many great golfers um, play in this state? Uh, it's quite amazing, actually. But in terms of golf, Kentucky is uh, its a great place to live. 
And Matthew, the PGA Championship is going to be back in Kentucky this year, a little west of at, you over at Louisville at Valhalla. Have you ever played there? I've never played there. Um, I've been there, and it's quite amazing. But um, you know what I'm going to do? I think you gave me an idea. I'm going to send them a video of my practice swing, and <laughs> I, I think maybe that might be a way for me to get on at Valhalla. I, th- I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, of course. Once they see that, you're in. Oh yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you be? Yes, and get, and, get that guy on the phone. Let's get him over here. We got a tea time right for you, <laughs> Mister Lawrence. Yeah. Right this way. Yeah, and it'll be four above zero, but I don't care. I'll play. <laughs> I don't care. Um, and of course, Valhalla. Um, your listeners might remember when uh, Tiger Woods and Bob May had yep. that incredible. Uh, playoff, Bob May out of nowhere. Uh, and Tiger Woods won the PGA championship there in the dark. Uh, you know, they had the car headlights on on the 18th green. <laughs> um, but Valhalla is an amazing golf course. Really amazing. Matthew, speaking of Tiger, he's been in the news as usual. And now it's yeah. that he and Nike are no longer going to partner together, which we knew was coming from what Tiger was saying or wasn't saying back at the Hero World Challenge. I know what a big Tiger fan you are. Are you surprised the that these two are you know, going their separate ways 27 years later? You know, I, I don't think this is the truth. Nothing surprises me anymore, Chris. I swear. Um, every day you get up and there are things going on and you just shake your head. Um, when I heard about this, uh, today on Matthew and Jimmy, I was talking with Jimmy about this because Jimmy is not a golfer. And although he's, uh, produced some of my backspin shows and he's gotten a lot better actually with his knowledge and I kid around with him all the time, but he, he was talking about it. He asked me about it today. And I said, you know, for as well, I just read an amazing article about Nike golf. And when he signed with Nike, I believe it was in 97, I think, when he turned pro, um, they had their entire, they only made something like, and this isn't the correct figure, but it's an illustration. They, they were only making $10 million a year. And in the first year after he signed with them for their golf, apparel and clubs it went up to 150 million i mean he's made them over the the 27 years i guess that he's been with them i'm not worried about nike (laughs) you know (laughs) and people people forget that he played nike golf clubs for a long time it wasn't just the apparel it was a nike golf ball we all remember the iconic shot of the ball rolling into the hole with the Nike swoosh on it um, for a very long time. He hasn't played. Nike decided one year they were going to stop making clubs. And he's been with tailor-made uh, clubs, and he plays a Bridgestone ball now. So I, I don't think I can say I was surprised. Um, it's actually kind of amazing. And I'll give a shout-out to Bob Harrig, the great, great golf writer for sports illustrated who i just had a conversation with about many things but 
I asked him about that also. And, you know, he said, the, and this is true. The funny thing is people that don't really follow golf know about Tiger wearing red on Sunday, as he has always done, black pants and a red shirt, which has always had that Nike swoosh on it. And there are people, they're idiots, but there are people who have actually said, like on Twitter, uh, is he going to continue to wear red on Sundays? Like Nike is the only one that makes red shirts. On Sunday, <laughs> I got hysterical when Bob said that. I was like, um, "Who? Who knows?" I my feeling is he may start his own company, his own apparel company. I know the Tiger Woods brand has been part of Nike. He may just continue with his own company. He may go with TaylorMade because he plays their club. Um, I don't, I don't know, but I can't say I was really surprised. Who do, whose end do you think this came on to decide that we're going to go our separate ways? Because I can't imagine, to your earlier point, I mean, he's the golden goose. Why would yeah. Nike want to go a different direction? Like To your point, they got out of the, the equipment world, right? right? They don't, no, yeah. no clubs, no golf balls anymore. Okay. Right. It's not like they're getting out of the apparel business. So no. why would you want to go a different direction? Than, than getting, you know, the guy to wear right. yourself. Well, I think that you've answered your own question there, Chris Mascaro. <laughs> and that, that answer would be, this is Tiger's decision. I don't think this is coming from Phil Knight or Nike at all. I mean, even though Tiger, you know, we, he he's only going to play a certain amount of t- tournaments now and all, he's getting older and all blah, 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 and all that stuff. It doesn't matter because people still, you're right, they buy Nike apparel because of Tiger Woods, period. So I would say it's probably something that Tiger wants to do. And maybe when we see what's coming next for him, we'll all go, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I see why. He's a pretty smart guy, that Tiger Woods guy. So since you say nothing surprises you anymore, you you weren't stunned when you got the news that John Rahm was going to live? Uh, it's, it's a really good question. I was stunned, I think, as we all were. Um, and I don't After my the stunned part of it, I again. I shook my head and I went, well, of course, of course he is, because that's the way things are now, especially in the world of golf. We have no idea what is going to happen now in the world of professional golf. Um, the only reason that I think everybody was so shocked was we all saw the video of John Rahm talking about live. And it wasn't that long ago. Um, so that when it happened that they played that video of him talking about the best golf in the world is the PGA tour and I would never leave and blah, blah, whatever he said. That video was all over social media the next day. And I think that's why people, including me, were really kind of shocked that that's what happened. 
So let's take that a step further. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, Rory McIlroy's doing an about face. I'm saying, oh, maybe perhaps I was well, too judgmental about the players going over there. And yes. Blah, blah, okay. blah. Here's what I'm going to say about this. And Lord knows I could be wrong because every once every couple of years I am. Really? So maybe this will be the one time. It's been a while. So um, Rory McIlroy will not go to live. He will not go to live. Now, having said that, he doesn't know either what is coming next in terms of the PGA Tour, Live Golf, the DP World Tour, the Saudis, the fund. Nobody really knows because of how badly every, every part of this has been handled. And I mean horribly. And we can get into that too. Rory is just, Rory is a very smart guy, as we've all seen. He is just saying, basically, I don't know what's coming down the road. In two years, they may all be on the same tour again, all of them. And I think that's where that came from with, with Rory. I don't think this is the same thing as John Rahm saying one thing and then going to live. Rory okay. is too, in, I think, too ingrained in tour leadership now, especially now, to ever have that happen. Unless things, the PGA Tour gets completely blown up, and then, you know, they all may say, hey, we're all going to live. I, who knows? But Rory will not be going to live golf. Okay, so let's, the conspiracy theory, right? If you look at everything that Rory has done over the last year, right? He was the face mm -hmm. of the PGA Tour, singing the PGA Tour praises, telling everybody how much he hates live. Right. And then since that time, over what, the last six months, he has, he's, he's talking about how he wants to move back to England. He has done mm -hmm. this about face on maybe I was too judgmental. He wants the, the DP World Tour to change the rules because he definitely is saying John Rahm is going to be on the European uh, Ryder mm -hmm. Cup team the next time around, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and now, you know, kind of this sort of thing, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious to your point. I'm curious to see because remember how upset he was at Jay Monahan because he was essentially the scapegoat. These guys, you know, put me out right. here on an island right. and now they're doing this, you know, back behind mm -hmm. the, you know, back channel kind of deal. I don't know. It just, uh, it it feels like you know he's kind of warming it up for and it, what was it was the other the quote the last couple of days he talked about how we're all supposed to be independent contractors we should be able to decide where and when we're going to play that sounds an awful lot like live to me well it, again I I don't feel that way I I truly don't and as I said I could be wrong here but I don't feel that way with Rory I think both things can be true he can say. Maybe I was too judgmental and I want to go to England and I want John Rahm to be able to play on the Ryder Cup team. That does not necessarily mean he's going to live. Right. You know, I Chris, with, with, with all these guys, they don't know. I mean, every day you look at how the mismanagement of the PGA Tour is staggering in almost every way. And it was all done because they didn't, two, three, four years ago, they didn't, Jay Monahan and the group, 
uh, didn't look forward. There were sponsors pulling out a couple of years ago from Turner because they didn't feel like the purses were getting too high and they weren't, the stars weren't playing and all those things. Nobody did anything about it until Live Golf came. And then all of a sudden, Monahan and all the, and Dunn and all those guys are scrambling like crazy to try to figure something that, well, excuse me. It's being, it's, it's mismanaged in every way. And that's why I say, I mean, none of us know what is, is ahead for professional golf. None of us. And okay. you know me, I'm the guy on the lawn. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really sick of it. And, and most people are too. I yeah. know that. Okay. So let's take all of that a step further because we've learned that Keith Pelly has resigned from the DP World Tour to go run Maple Leaf Sports. Martin Slumbers of the RNA says this year is going to be his last go round. What do you make of all of that? Right. Well, those are two different things. And this is coming from, again, shout out to Bob Harrick, because I brought this up with him also. Um, uh, Keith Pelley, first of the DP World Tour, that tour, there have been problems with that tour for a while now. And I don't know all the particulars, but I know that Keith Pelly has been kind of blamed for a lot of these things. And when he gets an offer, he's going with Maple Leaf Sports now, which owns the Raptors, um, the Maple Leafs, the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, there's an MLS team, I think, in Toronto. It's a big deal this company he's going to. And so it's kind of not surprising that when he had the opportunity to do that, he said, yes, and he's moving on. There are huge changes happening on the DP world tour as well. They're part of the PGA tour now, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. So he said, see ya, (laughs) see ya. You guys do what you want. I'm going to Canada. Um, as far as the RNA goes, he's, he's only 63 years old. He's a child compared to me, Martin Slumber. He's a child, but he has been talking for a while about this. And, um, if uh, most people would talk about being surprised about things, most of the people connected with golf in Europe and the RNA knew that this was going to come and they're not that surprised about it so but again it's another change i don't know how much that'll affect here's the thing chris i'm going to let you in on a little secret don't tell anybody yeah don't tell anybody most of this stuff like the dp world tour the rna the ball rollback which we haven't even talked about All of those things that are happening in the world of golf, they don't apply to us. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. They they really don't. I got enough to worry about in terms of taking my dog Blue out in the morning for a walk. I mean, can I make it around the block again? I don't know. Those are the (laughs) things that that I worry about. Is my 17-year-old going to 
going to make it through this semester of high school. You know, those kind of things. Um, <laughs> so, I, 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 I mean, it's a big deal. You know, the RNA, obviously, and the DP World Tour, and the PGA Tour, and all of it. Everything has just changed so much, Chris. It's all changed. And, you know, you know me. I don't like it. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know me. <laughs> so with all of this stuff that has transpired, yeah. is Phil Mickelson vindicated? No, not to me. And I really don't want to talk about him. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I, I, I don't think he's vindicated. Maybe he is. Again, I don't care. I know this isn't good for your show, but <laughs> uh, there are certain people, and you know who who they are. You know, yeah. uh, there's a guy I call the cheater, who I refuse to mention his name. Um, there's a guy that I call the bulk. I don't talk about him, and you know, Lefty is another one that I don't really care to talk about. He may be vindicated. I don't care. I don't think that he is because the, the way he went about it. Here's the other thing. And, you know, talking about live golf and and I will say this up front. I have two very close friends of mine, people I love who are very involved in live golf in Keith Hirschland and Jerry Folk. Very involved. and. It has Keith and I just had a great discussion about this because it's awkward because they know how I feel about live golf. And a big part of it is, and I'll say this too. Here's the disclaimer. I have nothing but incredible respect and admiration for the production of live golf. What Keith Hirschland and the technical people are doing is staggering. I think. I think I said they had 40 cameras on the golf course. I think he corrected me and said 70 or something. And he's in that truck go, doing all the, it's amazing. I, that's not the problem I have with live golf. I'm just one of these guys. I don't care about team golf. I certainly don't care about scramble starts and no cuts and 48 players. And I don't, that's not a golf tournament to me. And it never will be. The biggest problem I have with all of them, it's why I have no problem with Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson. Because from the beginning, Brooks Kepka said, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to play. I'm taking the money. That's not what Phil Mickelson did. And anybody that talks in the, in the, it's growing the game stuff. They're talking, you know, now John Rom says we can go play in Australia and we're going to introduce it here. And they could have done that before. All of this could have been done before if that's what they truly wanted to do. And that's why I have the feelings I do about Mickelson. I just think he hit everything out of his mouth from the beginning of it. Um, to me was, uh, uh, there's a word I could use, but I won't. <laughs> anyway there i said it <laughs> all right so let's, let's switch gears just a little bit and we talk about all okay. the money and last time that you were on the show we talked about whether sports is out of control you had tweeted a picture of will chamberlain's 1960 w2 when he made thirty seven thousand yeah. dollars 
Well, now we live in a world where Shohei Otani signed a 10-year, $700 million contract with the Dodgers. They signed another Japanese pitcher, Yashi Yamamoto, to a 12-year, $325 million contract. So the Dodgers Dodgers have invested a billion dollars in just two players. You mentioned mm-hmm. a minute ago the PGA Tour is losing sponsors. They lost the AT, they lost AT and T to one of the events. Honda is now done. Wells Fargo talked about mm-hmm. how they're going to be out. Now we've yeah. got John Rahm going to live for who knows how much money we've heard three hundred million, four hundred fifty million, six hundred million, whatever that is. We got LA Golf coming out with their new putter line that's going to go for somewhere between five hundred and six hundred forty nine dollars. I'm going to get two of them. <laughs> Iron sets are. Yeah. $1,200 a piece. I mean, at some point, Matthew, this this house of cards has to fall in, doesn't it? Well, you would think so. I mean, but here's the thing. All of the things you just mentioned are all of them like the Dodgers. They can pay those two guys over 10 years a billion dollars. Shohei Itani, they've structured it. He's only making $2 million a year now. I mean, it, they've figured out ways to do it. and. The biggest problem with all of it, I'm not talking about live golf because that the Saudis and the, the, the fund is a totally different thing. That is unlimited money, unlimited billions, billions of it. All the other things are, it's all about TV contracts and money that's being brought in. And so to a lot, you know, what is the Dodger? I remember when the Yankees, everybody, you know, used to talk about, well, they buy championships and all this. Kind. How can they keep pl- paying these players? Well, the, the Yes Network and the money the Yankee organization was bringing in was staggering and way more than other baseball teams were bringing. It's all tied up in TV money, all the revenue that these clubs are making and teams are making and different things they wouldn't be doing it if they if they couldn't do you know what i mean so to all of us this is like monopoly money now it doesn't even mean i mean are you so be honest when you heard about yamamoto signing for 300 something million my reaction was "Ooh, that's a bargain <laughs> that's that's chump change. I mean, what is he half as good as Otani? He's only half as good as he. I mean, that I you hear these figures now, even the PGA Tour, these events that used to be called, you know, now who knows what they're called? The purse is twenty million dollars, three point six million for the winner. It's it doesn't mean anything to us. Maybe it does to you. I don't. Doesn't mean anything to me. Three point six. It doesn't matter if they get six hundred grand or three point six. All of it has become so out of control. And like I say, I just have to make sure my dog poops when I take him for a walk. <laughs> that's a, that's a, I'm sorry. Can I say poop on your show? I'm you sorry. can. Yes. Okay. Good. Thank you. <laughs> so, were you disappointed? When you heard that Tiger and Rory's new top golf-like league got postponed to next year, were you excited about watching that this month? I actually was. I was very excited, actually. I think it's a great idea. Um, And I hate that it's postponed for a year. Because, again, these guys that are involved with that 
are it's something so different than we've seen. I think it was it'll be fantastic when they they actually get to it. You know, I was I was very disappointed that it was postponed. I just hope it happens. That's that's how I feel. I hope it happens a year from now, and I hope I'm around to watch it. <laughs> Speaking of something so different, what do yeah. you think of Jason Day's pants on Saturday? You looking forward to the baggy look? Can be you. <laughs> I love them. I <laughs> absolutely love them. I mean, I uh, I have some really great sweatpants. You know, they have all these different kinds of sweatpants now that you see the commercials all over the place for them. And they're, you know, a certain fabric and they fit so well. And, and you can, everybody wears them to play golf now. It's not like you have to wear golf pants whatever i've been wearing those for a couple of years now i saw the first picture of jason day from a couple of days ago i had never seen those particular pants he was wearing and i went i'm getting those <laughs> i am absolutely getting those i'm all in on this company whatever it is that he's with now <laughs> um, uh, but you know uh, we went from the baggy pleated pants to all of a sudden it's gone to like Eric Van Royen, who it, those pants that look like Mike McDaniel, the coach of the Miami Dolphins wears on the sidelines now, which I thought was great. Okay. That's all really good. And now we're going back the other way with Jason Day and this company and those, but I'm all for it. I'd much rather <laughs> wear baggy than like skin tight stuff. <laughs> Well, make sure you wear the pants when you do the video for, with the practice wing. Oh, I will. Marry those will. two things together because that's I gold. will. I will. And I will be sending a video, that video also to that company because <laughs> I know there's, there's a place for me in that, you know, lineup Spons of celebrities. Yes. Sponsorship yeah. money. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Good idea. You've had a couple of good ideas so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, I can't let you go with, without a few Eddie and the Cruisers questions. You know, a yeah. little movie that initially didn't make it in theaters, then along comes HBO and cable TV, and suddenly it's a cult favorite. It came yeah. out a little over 40 years ago. It was the 40th anniversary back last September. Yeah, that's so right, Chris. 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But, t I mean... Here it is. 40 years later, we're still talking about it. People still come up to you all the time, want to talk about it. People talk to you about the positive impact that that movie played in their lives right? yeah. with them, themselves, family members, all that sort of stuff. I mean, talk about what that's like for you to know that you were in a movie that has had the lifespan that Eddie and the Cruisers had. It is astounding to me, Chris. Um, and I always say this, and I'll give you another example. I think last time I was on with you, I talked about um, the special screening, the fundraiser I right. did uh, for the flood victims in eastern Kentucky. And that was where I talked about people coming up and telling me why the movie was so important to them. And it that night was so emotional to me. But. I'll give you another example that just happened a couple of days ago. 
And every time it happens, it floors me. Um, now stick with me here because you know me. I like to go in circles before I actually get to the point of the, the meat of the sub, the story. Um, my dog, who I've mentioned, Blue, his name is, is 55 pounds and he's a maniac. And I have not been able, I've taken him to two places to see, to get him bathed and his nails clipped because he goes berserk. He hates water, hates it. And stick with me. There's a reason for it. I'm telling you this story. And I couldn't take it anymore. And I started Googling grooming places in Lexington. And I found a place that was half a mile from my house. And I started reading the reviews, and every review was about this woman, Donna, who owns the business. And with whatever problem you have with a dog, she is the best. Every review. So I said, I'm going to stop in there. I ran over there, and I explained what the problem was with my dog. And she was just a phenomenal woman. And I made an appointment to bring Blue in the next day, actually. And I brought Blue in and I was, they took him back and Donna said to me, um, do you live around here? And I said, I live right around the corner, basically. And she said, Oh, great. What, what do you do? And I told her I was on ESPN radio and I had a show and she went, Oh, that's great. And I left. And a couple hours later, I went back to pick Blue up and I walked in. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you looked really familiar to me when you came in here. And when you said you were on the radio, I thought, oh, well, and I Googled you, she said. And then she said, Eddie and the Cruisers is my favorite movie of all time. Out of nowhere. This woman in this little dog grooming place. And then started telling me why it was so important to her. And she asked questions about different scenes in the movie. And we stood there. And I walked out of there. And just like you just said, it's been 40 years. And it happens all the time. And I couldn't be more grateful. You know, when as an actor, you really, there's so many times where you work. And people don't see it or they don't like it or, you know, it's not edited the right way. So you look bad or whatever, a million things to know that 40 years later, this movie is still being talked about. Um, and as long as you have a show, it will continue to be talked about. I <laughs> yes, think it will. Um, it's just it's amazing, Chris. It really is amazing. Speaking of scenes in the movie. I couldn't believe because back in December, I'm scrolling through T public. I'm looking for t-shirts, uh, for family members. And all of a sudden I come across a Tony March t-shirt, the nightclub <laughs> you guys drive up to when you first, we first get introduced to the Tom Berenger character. Yeah. Do you remember shooting the movie inside of Tony March? Because as I was reading more about that scene, the people that were in there weren't just movie extras. They were actually Tony March regulars. Oh, a, a thousand percent. Tony Mart, uh, which is this nightclub, uh, it's a bar nightclub on the Jersey Shore. 
that is let it's not there anymore by the way um i found out is legendary to anyone not only that grew up in south jersey but people went there for vacations and spent their entire summers on the jersey shore from all over from new york city and from people would drive up from florida and spend the summer there and tony march is legendary with people from that area and um i didn't know anything about it none of us did when we went down there to shoot and the more we were there the longer we were there with the more we learned about it and we see if you look at the scene um of our doing the music and tony mark the shots from the stage out into the crowd you just look at those people and you know those are not extra it was amazing there were pe- people came from all around there to be in that movie and then you know of course while you're shooting that you finish a scene and they got to reset the lights and they got so you end up talking to people wherever you are i mean i always do that any location but just sitting there and talking to to the people about tony marts and what tony marts meant to them um because the movie took place in the 60s so all those a lot of those people most of them were young enough where they would go this was my dad's favorite place in the world tony marts you know when i was growing up they would say um Tony Marks was <laughs> really cool. There are things like that are, I don't know, I'm a lucky guy, Chris. Matthew, just a couple more before I let you go. And occasionally I have to imagine when you're out driving in the car, on the dark side comes on the radio, or 10 to years comes on the radio. What's it yes. like for you when you're just driving along and all of a sudden one of those songs comes on the radio? I don't know. I don't like it that much, Chris. I changed the channel pretty quickly. I, uh, <laughs> you know what I do? I have a serious access in the car and, uh, on the, I have two classic stations on serious XM and it on the dark side plays pretty regularly. Um, I hear, you know, in the car once every couple of weeks, it'll come on. And I always take a screenshot of it and send it to somebody. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, uh, I turn it way up and I sing. I mean, I still got it. I can tell you that. Of course you do. Don't be I, silly. I, I still got it. <laughs> and, um, it's amazing. It's just, it's really something. One more, and I know you were really good friends with Tim Wakefield. We lost him way too young and his wife, Stacy, this past year. Um, talk about who Tim Wakefield was on and off the field, whether it was the baseball field oh, or the boy. golf course. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, Tim, uh, I met Tim uh, as a lifelong Yankee fan, of course. I met Tim Wakefield, uh, who, if your listeners don't know, was a knuckleball pitcher for uh, the Red Sox first for the Pirates. Uh, and then when he got really good, he was with the Red Sox and I was invited again because I'm so incredibly blessed to play in a celebrity golf tournament in Atlanta. Uh, that was Phil Necro's celebrity golf tournament. Uh, Phil Necro, the king of the knuckleballers actually worked with Tim on his knuckleball. 
and I got down, I was living in LA and I got down to Atlanta and we were standing in the lobby after everybody had checked in. They were going to take all of us out to dinner the first night. And I being, you know, the incredible jock sniffer that I am and have always been my whole life. I knew who Tim was and, um, he was in the lobby and I walked up to him and we were all introducing ourselves to each other. And I said, uh, Hey Tim, Matthew Lawrence. And he said, Oh, I know. And I said, well, I know who you are too. This is another example of giving crap the second you meet somebody. <laughs> and, uh, Tim, I said to Tim, because I'm a smart ass, I said, not only do I know who you are, I do an impression of you. And he looked at me, he said, you do? I said, yeah, here, I'll do it for you. And these people were standing around. And in slow motion, I made a pitching motion, threw the ball to the plate, and then whipped my head around as it was hit out of the ballpark. <laughs> that, that was my impression of Tim. and. He laughed, everybody laughed, and Tim, this is pretty amazing, instantly says, I do an impression of you, too. And I said, you do? He said, yeah, here it is. And then he made it like it was the clapboard you use on the set, you know, before you do the scene. And he went, ready? Take 48. And he clapped his hands <laughs> together. <laughs> And it was Good for Timmy. It, well, maybe the best comeback, instantaneous comeback of any time that's happened to me. And from that day forward, we were incredible friends. And the more I found out about Tim, he had a uh, he's from Melbourne, Florida. And uh, when he first got into the big leagues, um, he was friendly with a woman there who she and another woman had developmentally disabled children. And those kids were taken care of the first few years in schools, but then there was no place for them to go. And so they started a school in an apartment, these two women. And little by little, people heard about it that had children that needed help. And it started to get bigger and Tim got involved with them and they started a place called the Space Coast Early Intervention Center. And all of us that went and played in Tim's celebrity tournament in Melbourne, Florida, we would go out to the center and we would spend a day with the kids. It was the greatest thing in the world. And the first year that I did this and we all did this, they had an auction one night of this celebrity golf tournament. And Tim had all these baseball guys, all his Red Sox teammates and other guys from the big league were there. And we'd all been at auctions before. And you try to raise as much money as you can. And all I remember about that first night is, uh, and my friend Peter Jason and I were the auctioneer. And we were up on the stage and they had all these signed things and stuff. So we would say, okay, here we have uh, one of Tim Wakefield's jerseys that he autographed. Can I get $200 for it? And somebody would raise their hand and you would go, okay, I got $200. 
And all of a sudden, I, for some reason, I remember Derek Lowe, who was also a pitcher on that, the Red Sox with him. Derek Lowe raised his hand and went, $10,000. Wow. Sorry, I'm getting choked up. Damn it. Um, and they raised so much money. It was unbelievable. And then that center became people from all over the country started sending their kids to this center. Um, and that was Tim. That's who he was. He did a tremendous, as you know, you're a Red Sox fan. He did a tremendous amount of work in Boston, in the community and in Melbourne. Um, he won the Roberto Clemente award, uh, for his community work. And, um, it's just horrible, shocking. He was so young, uh, and this has happened, you know, again, way too many times recently with different people. But um, Tim was an incredible human being, as was Stacy, his wife, um, and just a tremendous loss. Tremendous. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yep. Matthew, before I let you go, remind our listeners. How can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? Listen to your shows, plus follow you on social media. Yeah, well, the social media is the important one because I'm going to post this video of my perfect swing. Exactly. So, okay. Uh, I am. I, I don't call it X. I'm sorry. I'm on Twitter, at uh, RealLauro5, L-A-U-R-O, and the number five. Or you can go to WLXG.com. Uh, any day I'm on from 10 to noon Eastern time, uh, and you hit listen live at WLXG.com. You can hear the show and backspin golf 803 every Sunday morning. Um, the same way WLXG.com. And I love the fact that your Twitter handle is real Lauro five because what a great Nomar Garcia para fan. You always were. So that's fantastic that you included that in your hand. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you recognized that, Chris. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Matthew, I love you, my friend. I can't thank I you enough you for join, joining me again. You're, you're fantastic. You're one of my all-time favorite people on the planet. So blessed that we are friends. And I'm already looking forward to the next time I get to talk to you. Back at you, pal. Right back at you. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, my friend. All the best. You too. That is the great Matthew Lawrence, folks. And like I say at the top, they don't come bigger or better than that guy. I love him. He has been a wonderful friend and mentor to me over the many years. And he started out as one of my favorite actors of all time. As I've said many, many times, Eddie and the Cruisers is one of the top five movies that I've ever seen. My favorite. And he was in it, and uh, it's just amazing now that we have become friends, and uh, he's very, very special to me, as is his brother, Mitch. So I hope you enjoyed that segment. Be sure to check him out, Backspin Golf. It is my regular 8.03 a.m. Eastern Tea Time every Sunday morning. His show's fantastic. Matthew's fantastic. He has great guests as well. So please check him out. Make it a part of your regular Sunday morning golf content. I can't wait to catch up with him again soon. He is just so much fun to be around. He's a joy, and he always brings a smile to my face. Again, I hope you enjoyed that segment. 
Be sure to come back and check out the show next week. Up with me is going to be Tom Patrick, Megan Francella, Steve Scott, and Brendan Walsh. As always, you are the best supporters in the history of podcasts. Until next time, hit them straight, my friends.